Well, good morning. I want to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. <clears throat> We're going to open up with a word of prayer, and uh, I'm just going to ask you that as we go into worship today that you uh, engage. Know that uh, God's worthy of your praise. Father, we come before you this morning. Father, we're so thankful, honored, and privileged to be able to gather here together uh, on this Sunday morning. God, with, uh, we've come to do nothing else other than to lift up your name. God, I pray as we enter into worship, Father, that you will hear our praise. And God, that it will be acceptable to you. Uh, God, that we will not hold anything back. God, you're truly worthy. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.
no place I'd rather be, no place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. Fathers, we stand in your presence today. God, I pray that the songs that we just offered up to you will be more than just words. God, I pray that in my life, God, in the life of those who are watching or gathered here today, God, that there'll be more than just words or songs. But God, that they can become our heart's cry. God, may I get to the point in my life that there is no place I would rather be than standing in your presence. God, may I get to a point in my life that, God, I'm asking you to start something within me that Father, that I don't have control of. God, I pray that as we go into your word today, God, that this worship service will just be the beginning of what you want to speak to us. God, I pray that you will open up our minds and open up our hearts and open up our ears to hear what it is that we need to hear this morning. God, I pray that not one person that's listening will leave this place the same way that they came in. But God, may we leave full of power, full of passion for more of you. God, we repent. God, I pray right now, Father, that you will, God, do something that only you can do. Can we sing that just one more time? I don't want to belabor the point, but I believe that somebody's about to get it. Set a fire. That I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain. That I can't control. That I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Father, we love you. God, we praise you. God, we thank you for what you're doing right now and what you're going to do. It's in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen and Amen.
Look at the person sitting beside you and let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church on this lovely fall morning. How many people loved it when you opened up the door this morning and felt that cold breeze? Anybody like that? How many fall people do I have in here? Oh, yes, yes, yes. You, you are my people. I love the fall. And um, I want to make you aware of just a, a couple of things uh, before we go any farther, uh, because if I don't do it right now, I'll forget, and then I get in trouble, and uh, they want to fire me and everything else. So um, coming up this Saturday, we are going to have our, uh, what is normally our annual trunk or treat. Uh, we didn't get to do it last year because of COVID. Um, and, uh, but we are gathering together on uh, Saturday, uh, October 23rd, and we've got a, a bunch of businesses coming. Uh, we've got uh, ambulances, fire truck, um, all uh, different kinds. And so what we're asking you to do is if you've, anybody ever been part of a trunk or treat? So if somebody asks me, what, what do you do? And I say, you open up your trunk and you give out candy, uh, trunk or treat, all right? Um, now you can't put the kids in your trunk, okay? That, um, I mean, I guess you could, but you might go to jail. But what we're going to do is we're going to gather here and uh, we're going to uh, decorate our trunks and hand out candy. And it's a great event for the community. And so we're looking forward to that. Uh, they still have uh, room. We have a big parking lot, so we can put a lot of trunks. Uh, if you would like to uh, be part of that, you can sign up. Uh, they're going to be having a meeting right after service right here. All right. And um, you can stick around and you say, well, I don't, you know, I don't. I don't have a car, or I don't have a trunk, or that's fine. We need help. We need people to serve hot chocolate. We need people to uh, uh, do all of these different things. But, but the goal is, is that when the community comes, they see a church full of people who love each other, who love God, and who love the community. And uh, so when, when, and when the community sees that, because let's just be honest, a lot of times that's not what the community sees when they look at a church. Um, that's not sometimes what they've been part of. So um, we want you to come, we want you to be a part, and we're looking forward to just doing this event for the community, uh, a safe time uh, for the kids to be able to just enjoy themselves and families to have a, a good free time uh, on us. So that's next Saturday. Um, there's something else I'm supposed to announce. Listen, when you start getting old, um, all right, I'll skip to the, oh, I, it just hit me. See, that, that's the good thing. I'm not to that point where I never remember. Um, uh, November the 6th. Uh, how many people were here the first time Jason Crabb and uh, Mickey Bell were here? Uh, if you weren't, this is one of those opportunities in life. There's, there's a lot of times you never get a second chance. Uh, this is a second chance, all right? Uh, we serve a second chance God, and we're a second chance church. Uh, so they're coming back. When they were here uh, back in the spring, we talked to them, and we said, you know, in November, we're celebrating 15 years of, of being in ministry. And um, so they said, we would love to come back during that time. So they're coming back November the 6th. So what do you need to do? Uh, number one, you need to register. Uh, you can go to the website, thegate.life. Uh, you can register there. Uh, there's a link on Facebook in our uh, page that I put out there where you can. And we haven't released this to the public, although there's probably some watching right now. Uh, that did not know this, uh, so they're probably signing up while you're sitting here in church. Um, but we need you to sign up because uh, we can only put so many people, and, and it's such a uh, popular person that's coming. 
Uh, Jason is, is very well liked in this area, and uh, so this place will fill up as soon as we let people know, but we want you to have the chance. The second thing that you can do is if you register, show up. Uh, we're not charging anything. Uh, the danger of that is, is a lot of times if we don't have any money invested, we're thinking, oh, well, you know, my toe hurts. I'm not going. Um, if you can, if you sign up, come. And if you see that you can't, let us know so that we can open that up to somebody else. Um, that's number two. Number three, uh, being 15 years in, and we've been in this building uh, three years now, two years, two and a half, something like that, um, two and a half. Uh, this is a, a, a building that was built in 1925, and we did a lot of things that we needed to do to get in here, and there was a lot of things that we needed to continue to do. Uh, we've uh, finally, uh, probably 98% finished the, the youth space up there, um, but you may or may not know there was no water or plumbing on the back side of this building, and uh, so we are in the process. Uh, we've connected to the, uh, the sewer across this parking lot. If you see a big concrete thing that's been filled in where the pavement was cut. Uh, we have been able to do that, and, but we have a lot of stuff that we just need to take care of. And uh, so someone came to me, and they said, you know, in, in honor of 15 years of, of ministry, and, and I just feel I want to do something to bless the church. And they said, what I would like to do is, is for, from now, which was last week, until the end of November, every dollar that's given to the uh, building fund, up to 20000 up to $20,000. They said, for every dollar given, I, I want to match it. And uh, so in other words, uh, it's an opportunity to, uh, for us to, uh, to give and for God, because it's, it's God that multiplies. Uh, he's spoken to this person. So for, if you give $5, it'll turn into 10. And, uh, and I've probably got some mathematicians here. So, you know, 10s, 20, uh, 1,000s, 2,000s, 5,000s, 10,000. You see where I'm going? Uh, if if you want to go ahead and do the 20000 and and just get it out of the way right now, that's fine too. We'll take it. Uh, but we are excited about what God's doing and, and what we're going to be able to do uh, because we want to become a, a church that uh, that is prepared for what God is sending us. And uh, so these are just things that... So be sure to remember that. You can do that by giving online. You can uh, put it in the, the box back there and just mark it building. Uh, the same thing online. But we know that God has a plan for this church and, and He is moving in ways that uh, that... Sometimes we can't even see. So, how many people have ever had a bad week? Anybody? Anybody ever had a bad week? I mean, I'm talking about now, not just a, you know, not just a little, you know, my toe hurt and I got a toothache. But I mean, like a week that seemed like it would never end. A, a week that, that was filled with emotion, fear, disappointment, struggle. Any other negative word that you can think of, your, that week was filled with it. How many people other than me would say that this week or this past week has been one of those weeks? Anybody? I had, yes, thank you. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not glad you're going through that, but I'm glad I'm not alone. All right? Um, because sometimes weeks are just tough, and this has been a tough week for me. Now, a lot of people say, now, Pastor, you shouldn't say that. I mean, you shouldn't let people know that, that, that you're human. You shouldn't let people know that, that things get to you. Uh, you know, I mean, you may be here this morning and you may think that when I walk, my feet don't touch the ground. If you think that, bless your heart. You may think that when I lay down at night that I just levitate over my bed. Uh, I don't want to disappoint you and, and I hate, I, I even make a mistake every now and then. I hope you don't leave here thinking, man, all this time I thought we had a perfect pastor. I'm going to have to go somewhere else. If you're looking for a perfect pastor... 
Um, this is not the place for you. But this week for me and for many, it's been a, a tough week. It's been physically tough, emotionally tough, spiritually tough. I mean, normally by the time Wednesday rolls around, I've sent my notes to the media team. My verses and key points are ready to be entered. Not this week. If I'm being 100% honest, which I'm going to be this morning, so if you don't like honesty, uh, you might want to slip out. If I'm being honest, this week, in the five years that I've been pastor, this has been probably the, the toughest week of any week that I've ever had to prepare a sermon. But here's what I know. What I know is, is that anytime God wants to do something in our life, there is going to be spiritual warfare. It's real. The Bible tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Last week, as we finished up our series on Elisha, it was a defining week for many people. We talked about how that, that many of us get to a point in life and we simply lose our spiritual edge. And we looked how that, that, that axe head had fell. If you haven't read this story, it's in 2 Kings and it's an awesome story. But this axe head had fell into the river and the, the, the young prophet had lost his spiritual edge and he cried out. We had a lot of people this week who cried out. A lot of people who, who said, I'm going to, to reach out and I'm going to lift out what I once had. They made a decision to take the steps to get their spiritual edge back. So when that happens, it should come as no surprise that the enemy is fighting so hard. It should come as no surprise that many of us have had a tough week. But what's disappointing to me, what's frustrating to me is that so many people, when the enemy fights, that so often, even as followers of Christ, we lose the fight. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? I thought that if I had Christ. Often when the enemy fights, we come out of the battle wounded, hurting, ready to give up. And when I see this in, in my life or the life of others, frustration begins to set in. And I begin to say, God, why is it? God, why is it that, that so many followers of you are living life defeated? Why is it that so many Christians are struggling to walk this Christian walk? God, I don't understand. And as I begin to, to, to think about this week, and I begin to think about that this week and ask God that question, I feel that the Holy Spirit gave me three words. And those three words were simple. There is more. There's more. And so I begin to ask the question, God, what do you mean? What do you mean there's more? And my mind was brought to a verse found in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. When the Bible says, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And as I begin to look at that verse and I begin to, to dissect what he was actually saying, there the word spirit in the Hebrew is actually ruach. 
Now, now it doesn't really translate well into English, but it's the same word that was used at creation. It was the same word that was used when the Red Sea split. It was the same word that was used when life was given to dead bones. We look in all of those instances, and in those instances, human effort wasn't enough. That word means unseen force, and it translates literally into the breath of God. Not the word breath, but the actual... If you were going to translate it, that's what you would have to do. You would actually just have to to breathe. It's not the word, but it's the power behind the word. And when we look at our life and we talk about having the spirit of God in our life, we need something that is beyond human ability. We need the power of God. In the New Testament, that word is is translated, it's pneuma, which means wind. If you have a a, a sailboat and there's no wind, that sailboat's not going to go. But it takes the wind to move it. And in our lives, we need pneuma. We need the wind. We need the spirit, which will move us in ways that we could never move on our own. We need to live a spirit-empowered life. So this morning, I want to talk about for a few minutes about the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because here's what's happened in Christianity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. It says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Christianity, a lot of times, has been reduced to simply a bunch of ideas. It's been reduced to a a belief system. And and we say, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. I I, I believe in Christianity. But all we have are a bunch of ideas or a belief system of this is how we're supposed to live. This is what we're supposed to act like. But nothing has happened on the inside of us. Nothing has, has happened and we're not living by God's power. Here, when it says living, it is living by God's power. The word power there in the Greek is dunamis. You may be sitting here this morning and say, Pastor, that's more Hebrew and Greek than you've done in five years. It's just one of those weeks. Because I wanted to know exactly what God is trying to tell us through his word. The word there, power, is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. You know what happens when dynamite goes off, right? That word means that it's something supernatural. Supernatural ability and supernatural strength. And he says that's what it's about. It's not just a lot of talk. But it's living by God's power. So what does it look like? How do we live a a type of of life? How do we live a spirit-filled life? When Jesus was getting ready to leave this earth... One of the last things that he said was found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When he said, but you will receive power, the same word, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here Jesus is. 
the last thing he's going to say before he leaves this earth. And what is it? He looks at these disciples and he says, listen, I know you think you've got what it takes. But don't try to do anything until you have the power of God. Don't do anything until you receive that power. And what did it say the power would come from? From the filling and filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, for a lot of Christians, this is one of the most vague parts of Christianity. Because we understand God the Father. We understand Jesus. But there's confusion when it comes to the Holy Spirit. If you read the book of Acts... We're going to read a couple instances here just in a moment. If you read these instances, you're going to see that there was confusion. But these people are constantly trying to allow others to see that they need to get into a relationship with the third person of the Trinity. And there's confusion. That confusion still happens today. So today I want to help you to try to put aside all the confusion, all the misunderstanding... All of the preconceived ideas and, and, and in, most, in some cases even all the fear. And I want to look at just two instances in the New Testament. The first one's found in Acts chapter 19. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, they look confused. No, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about, basically? So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? And they said, well, it's John's baptism. Verse 4. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in, in the one coming after him, and that is in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So here we see an instance that there is confusion. We see an instance that they say, you know, we've received John's baptism. We've been baptized into Jesus. We have our salvation. But what are you talking about? And Paul wanted them to understand and realize, hey, this Holy Spirit is what's going to give you power. Why? Because he had already experienced it. And he knew the difference that it made in his life. In Acts chapter 8, there's another instance. Philip went down to the city in Samaria and he proclaimed the, the Messiah there. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They simply had been baptized in the name of, Je of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So here we see another instance where these people, they had heard the word of God, they accepted the word of God, they had entered into a relationship with Christ, and when the apostles heard this, they said, that's great. That's great, they've accepted Christ, but there's more. They've accepted Christ, but there's more. They need to have the power 
that we have. You see, a lot of times when we enter into a relationship with Christ, we think, okay, that, that's the end of my spiritual journey. I've got my get out of hell free card. I've got it. It's right here. I'm saved. I'm on my way. But can I tell you that when you step into a relationship with Christ, that is not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. God has more for me and he has more for you. You have what you need to go to heaven, but there's more. There's more. I praise God for salvation. I praise him for for sending Jesus, the son, to die on the cross for my sin. But there's more. He wants to empower you. And that power, as we've read, comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. You might have been in church your entire life. Or you may be sitting here and, and this could be your first time in church or your first time hearing the gospel. We know that salvation is the way to Christ. That's the way to heaven. But I want you to know that there's more. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says this, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. He said it's the most important part of your life. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you. He's saying it's a gift. Receive it. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, It says, don't be drunk with wine where it's in excess, but yet be filled with the Spirit. We've come to a point in our life that that we've become satisfied with just a a few Sundays a month. And we think, man, I'm doing everything. I'm checking off all the boxes. But the reality is, is as we're doing that, we're living a defeated life. As we're doing that, we have weak Days after days and weeks after weeks where we feel like, man, I just can't go on. Man, there's just got to be more to life. Anybody ever said that? There's more. There's more to your Christian walk. You say, well, pastor, what do I need to do? I would like to have more. The first thing that we have to do is we have to remove the barriers that that keep us from all that God has for us. Listen, there are some barriers There are some barriers. After you've taken that step of of salvation, you've asked Christ into your life, we have some barriers to receiving more. The first thing that that could be a barrier is that that some of you may have had some some bad church experiences. Maybe you were raised in, in a situation where you've seen a lot of craziness, weirdness, goofiness. And you look at that and you say, man, that, that, if that's what the Holy Spirit is, I don't want any part of it, part of Him. Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit's not weird? He's not goofy. People are weird and goofy. And there's been things that have been done in the, the name of the Holy Spirit that maybe you've seen or that I have seen. It's not who the Holy Spirit is. But as we sit here and we think about that today, we think, man, I don't want any part of that. It's a barrier. Pride. Pride can keep you from getting all that God has for you. Why is that? Because we want to think that we can do it on our own. We want to believe that we don't need His help. 
We want to believe that we can walk this life. So we live our life in such a way that says, I can do it on my own. You ever had that kid, that, that child that's becoming, uh, trying to become independent? And they're wanting to do something and you know they need help. And they're like, I can do it on my own. You know, I can carry it on my own. And the next thing you know, you've got broken dishes all over the kitchen floor. Because their pride said, I don't need your help. I'm old enough. I've been doing this long enough. I can do it without you, Dad. I can do it without you, Mom. It's that pride, that sense of I'm independent. And we do that with God. It's a barrier. Fear. Fear can, can keep you from getting all that God has for you. You're afraid that if, that if you go all in with God, that if, you, that if you go all in with Him, you're going to lose control. If you say, God, I want everything that you have for me, you're afraid that you're going to end up in some third world country on the mission field. And you think, no, I, I like my life here too much. I'm not going to do that. Why is that? It's because we tend to avoid what we're afraid of. We tend to avoid what we don't understand. And so we look at it and we say, no, no, I, I don't completely understand that. I don't understand what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so I don't want any part of it. James chapter 1, verse 17. I wanted to reassure you of something. The Bible says every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. That verse in James tells us one thing. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. Every good and perfect gift. He said, you need the Holy Spirit. You need to live a a Spirit-filled life. You can trust Him because every good and perfect gift comes from above. Say, what do we do? What do I have to do? Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. This is Peter speaking. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Receive the the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. He said, you need to repent, and then you need to say, God, I want everything that you have for me. He said, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do you have to do? You need to, need to take a step toward him. What do you have to do? You need to ask God to give you all that he has for you. You have to come to a realization and, and, and proclaim in your life, God, if you have it, I want it. You see, all that we have right now is not all that God has. Why? Because there's more. I'm inviting you to pray that prayer today. God, all that you have for my life, I want it. In the book of Ezekiel, there was a vision that was recorded. And it's found in the 47th chapter. He says, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubics, or about a third of a mile, and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. 
And then he measured off another thousand cubits. And he led me through the water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was up to the waist. Then he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. As I begin to, to look at that vision the first thing that is amazing about this vision, and you could preach a whole sermon on just this passage of Scripture, but the thing that was amazing was, was that river was flowing out of the temple of God. It wasn't flowing from a government building. It wasn't flowing from anything else. It was flowing from the temple. And that allows us to know that, that that's where the power of God comes from. That's where the, the, the river of life comes from, and that's where it flows from. But it says that, that he took a step and that when he first walked in, it was just ankle deep. But he kept walking. And then it became up to his knees. And he kept walking. And then it got to his waist. Have you ever been maybe in, in a river or in the ocean? I don't think I've ever been in a river, so I can't speak. Speak to that. I know you're disappointed in me again. I was in the river once, and it was to be baptized. You know, when I was growing up, it didn't take unless it was in the, in the river. We were out there amongst the fishes, and so I'm gonna. I like to go to the beach, so we'll talk about the beach. You ever just you you, you would. Um, you start getting in the water, and it's just, you know, it's on your toes, and it feels so good. And, and, uh, and then you keep walking in, and it gets up to your knees. And, and, and Now, when I was younger, I didn't care for it to get up to my waist. Now I'm to the point that I really don't even want to put my toes in, just to be honest. Uh, I'm perfectly fine just not even touching the sand, but that's another story. But a lot of times when, when you get in and you get to the point where it's up to your waist, now it's to a point that, that you really, you have to brace yourself because, because the water or the current is going to try to take you maybe to a place or places that you don't want to go, that you're afraid of going. And so you, you, you stand there and you sort of dig your feet down into the sand or, or down into the, to the dirt and you say, I'm not going to move. You're not going to take me where I don't want to go. So you brace yourself. Why? Because you want to remain in control. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that, that, that some of us, you're just ankle deep. Maybe that's salvation. I, I've got this. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm good. Some of you, maybe you're knee-deep and you say, okay, I'm a follower of Christ and, and I'm serving. Some of you have even taken the next step and, and, and it's up to your waist. And now you're to a point that, that you know that the Bible says to clap your hands, all your people, and to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. But you say, well, that's just not how I worship. Uh, I'm keeping my feet planted. You know that the Bible says, lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. And you say, that's not my style. I'm planted. I ain't moving. 
You're not going to take me where I don't want to go. Can I tell you that God has more for you? Can I tell you that if you will go all in? Listen, you have a God that's created you, that has saved you, and he deserves more praise than anything else in your life. Now, I used to cringe when, when preachers would use this example. I just, I would. I would just cringe. I'm like, no, I don't, don't use that. It's just so, it's just so whatever. Now I'm to the age I'm going to use it. How many people watched, well, first of all, how many people watched the UK game yesterday? UK and Georgia, yes. Now, if, if UK would have won, if they would have beat the number one team in the country, most of you would have lost your ever-loving mind because you're passionate. Now, it didn't happen, so you're still saved. You're a little sadder today, but you're still saved. How many people watched the Ole Miss-Tennessee game last night? Did anybody see the end of that game? Now, listen, I understood that the, in the first service that those people were old and they had to go to bed. You should have been up watching this. Nobody saw it. I, I know there's one person that saw it. You just, thank you, you halfway. Well, if you really saw it, you, you, you know. So there was a call with about 50 seconds to go. Now, Tennessee fans have a way of making us West Virginia fans feel good about ourselves. Because they didn't like the way that this call went with 50 seconds to go. And they started throwing whatever they could get their hands on onto the field. One of the coaches got hit with a golf ball. Who brings a golf ball to a football game? It was yellow. It was, I mean, and that coach was just happy. You know, he was, he's wanting to show everybody. It was, they zoomed in, and there was a, a, a looked like a 30-ounce bottle of French's mustard <laughs> that I guess they had stolen from the concession stand, and they threw it on the field. These people were crazy. And after the game, they, they talked to, to Lane Kiffin, which is the coach of Ole Miss now, who used to coach Tennessee, and I, if it would have been me, I would have said, these people are nuts. If it were me, I would have said, I'm glad they fired me. Because they did. That's probably why they were so upset, because now he was beating them. But he said, he didn't say any of that. You know what he said? He said, this is a great fan base. He said, they're so passionate. And he just built them up. Why does stuff like that happen? Because we become passionate about things in our life. These fans were passionate, but can I tell you that there is nothing that we should be more passionate about than the fact that God sent His only Son to die on the cross for our sin, and then He gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit to walk with us, to live inside of us, Listen, there are 150 chapters in the, in the book of Psalm that tells us how he wants to be worshipped and how he should be worshipped. And all I'm suggesting this morning, take your own journey. 
You may be one of you may be one of these people that you know you're just right here, and then if you think nobody's looking, you may just you may already be somebody that worships God with hands lifted. But wherever you are, what I'm challenging you today is, is do not stay there. Why? Because there's more of God. There's more than what you've experienced ankle deep. There's more than what you've experienced knee deep. There's more. We talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit and you think, well, I'm not going there. And the reason that you think that is because you've seen the videos of people who are jumping pews, swinging from the lights. We used to have big chandeliers in here and I just took them down because I said, I don't want anybody up there. <laughs> you get on YouTube and Google I don't know what you have to Google to find it, but maybe crazy guy. Man, I, I, am, I have lost my mind. Um, I mean, there's one video where people are running around and they're shouting and, and uh, the guy's running. And if you've been in, I hope you weren't in this service, but this guy, he runs out the back. He comes back. He runs up on stage and, and there was a baptistry right here, which we have one. It's just behind that big screen that uh, it was leaking. We couldn't fix it. It's filled with water, and this guy just runs, and he goes head first into the water. And then he comes out the other side. And you think, I am not being any part of that. But can I tell you that a lot of places, time that we're living, a lot of us are living, we're in the middle of the river, but we're trying to keep our feet planted. We're in the middle of the river, but we're trying to keep one foot on the bank. And I'm telling you that there's more. I'm telling you that there's more. There's more. There's more. Why was Jesus so desperate to tell his own trained disciples, don't do anything until you get the Spirit? Why was he so desperate for that? Because he understood. He knew that if they tried to do it on their own, that they weren't going to make it. He knew that if they tried to live this life on their own, that they weren't going to make it. And so here he is, and he's saying, there's more. He's saying, don't try to do it on your own. He's saying, don't try to live on your own. Here's these guys. They were so passionate they had been trained by Jesus. They had walked with him for three years. You would think by now that these guys would be spiritual giants. You would think by now that they would have it all figured out. They had spent time with him. But they hadn't. Think about it. At the moment that Jesus needed Peter the most, the moment that Jesus was on trial... Peter looked at a little schoolgirl in pigtails and said, I don't know him. I don't know him. And three times he denied knowing his best friend. Now fast forward 50 days later. 50 days later, where do you find Peter? You find Peter preaching in front of thousands of people, telling them, about Jesus, his friend. 
at the threat. This, now it wasn't just a little schoolgirl in, in, in the courtyard who was no threat to him at all, but he was still cowering in the corner. Fifty days later, now he's up proclaiming. And he said, you can do what you want to do. You can kill me. You can do anything that you want, but I'm going to proclaim the good news. What had changed? That upper room experience. What had changed? He'd received the power of the Holy Spirit. In a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, this is how he closed it. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. And it says, The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ. The extravagant love of God. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. When, when, when Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit in the, the New Testament, He used the word parakletos. And what that word means is, it means helper. Yesterday, my wife and I made our annual trip to the grocery store. We're not one of those families that, you know, and, and bless your heart if you are, I, I need you to teach a class. You know, you plan out your menu and you say, okay, I need this and this and this and this. And, and you go and you get it all and you've got, you know, all your meals planned out. Do we have, do we have any of those people? Come on, make me feel bad. Yeah, I knew we had a couple. The rest of you who didn't raise your hand, you're either trying to make me feel good or you're just my people. Somebody had sent Christy a recipe and it was like 47 items. And she was like, I don't have time to get all this. I think we ended up with three of them, three of the items. So about 44 more to go. So about this time next year, we'll have that soup. But we go to the grocery store and... and um, we didn't have any plan. We just started throwing stuff in the buggy. So we ended up with like 47 bags of chips and, uh, you know, uh, 37 packs of Little Debbies. And, uh, you know, and I think we may have threw some grapes in there just to make us feel better about ourselves. Although they're nothing but sugar, too. <clears throat> so we're piling all this. And you know, at Aldi, you, you don't, you, you have your, you have to bring your own bags. And so we have one of those large things that you can get that you can buy that's like three compartments and it's uh it's like uh, fabric so it's not sturdy so when we got ready to go i climbed up on the shelf in the garage and dusted all the cobwebs off of it i put it in the back of my car so we put it in the buggy and we're filling all this stuff in and, and every time we put something in reese's eyes would get that much bigger because probably in her 12 and a half years of life she'd never seen us purchase so much food And so we get that thing all loaded down. We've got other bags. And so we, we pull it out in our 25-cent buggy that we have. And I look at that, and she looks at, at that, that big thing. And it's flexible, so you really can't pick it up. Or you're going to smash everything. Or, and I said, I'll get one side, and you get the other. And as we begin to pick it up, I said, that's pericleatos. She looks at me. She said, let me guess, that's what you're preaching on tomorrow. I said, absolutely. 
And I begin to talk and say, what that means is, is that means that, that the Holy Spirit is someone that comes alongside of you to help you. And so if you can envision you bending down to pick up something that you can't lift, the Holy Spirit's over here. Let me help you with that. And He helps you pick it up. He helps you carry it. That's the kind of relationship that I'm talking about. That's what I'm saying that we need. Because there's going to be times in our life, more often than not, actually all the time, that we can't do it on our own. I thank God for salvation. If you've entered into a relationship with Christ, that's the most important thing. But there's more. If you can develop a relationship or a friendship with the Holy Spirit, I want you to think about right now. Think about the, the, your best friend in the world. It could be maybe your, your spouse that's sitting beside you. Maybe it's, it's a friend that's here. Maybe it's someone that lives far off. But they're your best friend in the world. If you're sitting here and thinking, I, I can't think of anybody, then we need to do some counseling because you need to find one. But when you begin to think about that person, now think about the qualities that they have. If you're thinking about a best friend, you're probably, you're going to say, well, they're probably a good listener. When I'm going through something, I can talk to them and they listen. They're probably someone who gives good advice. There's times that you go through things, you say, I just don't know what to do. And you can call this best friend or you can set up a, 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 a coffee appointment with them. Say, let's do lunch. I, I need some advice. They're probably a, a kind of person that no matter where you are or what you had going on in your life, if you were in need of something, they would be there for you no matter what. They probably can look at you and without you saying a word, they know that you're hurting. Talking about qualities of a best friend. They're probably someone that when you are feeling down and you feel like giving up and you feel like that you can't go on, they probably have the quality of looking at you and say, let's go. And they encourage you qualities of a best friend if they're a really good friend they probably hold you accountable they probably love you enough to sometimes look at you and tell you the truth and they'll say hey you shouldn't do that <laughs> you don't want to go that way you're headed in a wrong direction qualities of a best friend can I tell you the Holy Spirit wants to be your best friend he wants to be your best friend he wants to have an intimate relationship with you and it's important you say well how do you know it's important 
I know it's important because when the disciples looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, this is not the way that it should end. You can't leave us. Jesus, his response to them was this. I have to go away. Because when I go away, the Father is going to send you another. The Father is going to send you the Holy Spirit. And He will lead you and guide you into all truth. That's how important it is. Pastor, what do I have to do? How can I be filled with the Spirit? Luke 11, chapter 11, verse 13. It says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who beg Him? Oh, it doesn't say beg, does it? He says to those who ask Him. If you're a, a parent and you have something that you know will make your child's life better. And they know that you have it. And they come to you and they say, Dad, can I have that? A good parent wouldn't say, yeah, you can have it, but, but I need you to beg me for it. You can have it, but I, I need you to do this or to do that. No. You know that you have something that can help your child live a victorious life. You're going to just give it to them when they ask. He said, if you being sinful know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does a heavenly father who loves you give you the Holy Spirit if you just ask? There's those of you who are sitting here today and through you've tried to do it on your own. You're a follower of Christ, but but it still seems like that at every turn that you're being defeated. You've rejected, maybe, maybe you just didn't know or maybe maybe you're like me maybe you were you had went all in and then at, at, at some moment at some moment something happened and in that moment you said wait a minute if that's what the Holy Spirit's like I don't want any part of it and so from that moment on you've tried to walk in your own power it doesn't work 
I'm speaking from firsthand experience. It doesn't work. You say, Pastor, what's the advantage? Why should I go all in? In verse 9 of that vision that we talked about in Ezekiel chapter 47, what it tells us is, is that when you get to that point, you get past the ankles and the knees and the waist, and then you get to a point that you can't, you can't do anything but swim. You've went all in. It tells us that it's there that there's life. It says that in that place there is life that is full of living things. That's why. That's why we live defeated because we haven't gotten to that point where all we can do is swim. You want to live a victorious life? Get to that point. God, I'm going all in with you today. I'm tired of of trying to do it on my own. So with every head bowed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I am a follower of Christ, but man, I am so tired. I'm a follower of Christ, but, but I feel like that I, I, I suffer more defeat than I do victory. I feel like I'm living my life and, and, and I'm trying to do what's right. There's days that I just throw up my hands and say I'm done because I'm tired of being wounded. I'm tired of being hurt. If you're here today and that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Thank you. Thank you. I'm tired. I'm tired. Have you ever had somebody look at you and say, there has to be more to life? Maybe you've thought that there has to be more. Can I tell you that there is? And it's getting to a point to say, God, I'm going all in. I don't care where the current takes me. I'm going all in. I don't care what people think. I'm going all in. With reckless abandonment, I'm going all in. Anyone else? I'm going to ask you to stand. If you raised your hand this morning or even if you didn't, I want you to know there's more. No matter where you are, there's more. You might be here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm already all in. I'm swimming in the middle of the river and things, I'm finding living things. Praise God. So what I'm asking you to do is because you understand what it's like to go all in. You understand what it's like to be in the middle of that river where you're just swimming and there's living things all around you. There's no death. You understand that. So what I'm asking you to do is for those 
who are here today, who maybe are just ankle deep or knee deep, or they're waist deep and they're, they're fighting and they're resisting against going on out, going all in. I'm going to ask you to use that faith that you have to pray for those who raise their hands or for those who are standing here today saying there has to be more. And if you're here today and you're in that category, you say, Pastor, what do I need to do? Just what the Bible said in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. He said, ask. Say, God, I want all that you have for me. God, I want to be filled with your spirit. God, I'm tired of living defeated. I want joy. I want power. It's the only way we're going to make it, church. If we try to do it on our own, we will live defeated and we will never do what God has called us to do. Not individually and not as a church. We have to have the Spirit of God living in our lives. So we're going to pray. Once again, this altar is always open. If you want to come and kneel or stand at this altar, you are more than welcome. But what I challenge you to do is no matter in what way you do it, I want you to pray in a way that you've never prayed before. I want you to pray with boldness. God, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Father, I come before you right now. God, I'm so thankful for your word. God, I'm so thankful. God, that you have promised that there's more. God, this morning, as we stand or kneel in your presence, God, we thank you for sending your son to die on the cross that we could have salvation. But God, today, God, let us understand and be just as thankful that you have sent us the person of the Holy Spirit so that we can not cower in the corner, but that we can live with boldness, that we can walk this walk that you've called us to. God, you said it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by your Spirit. And we stand on that today. God, I pray for any preconceived ideas. God, for any barriers, whether it be things that we've seen or experienced, whether it be fear or pride, God, whatever it is, God, I pray that you strip them away from us today. And God, that we can leave here today not any other way but leave here with your power. God, we need that helpmate. God, we need that paracletos, that helper, that comforter, that guide. God, we need it. God, we're tired of trying to live on our own. God, let us know and realize that there is more. There is more to the spiritual walk. Holy Spirit, fill us. 
fill us with your power that will help us to be bold in our witness that will help us be all that you've called us to be God we don't want to live, live defeated any longer can you make this your prayer this morning God I don't care God You've tried it your way. Wait out just a little bit deeper. Take that next step. More than just a few Sundays a month. He said, go all in. Father, I thank you for this group of people. God, as we enter into the fall, God, as things begin to die, God, symbolically, I hope that you will allow us to know that in the middle of the river there's no death things live. God we want to be a lifehouse for this community God as we come together individually God as we seek after you and go all in God may we come together God may we wade out into middle of the river with reckless abandonment God we know that we are surrounded by people who are hurting and who are looking at our lives wanting to see what it is that is different about us God when they look at us may they see more than just someone who's ankle deep may they see someone who is filled with your power living a victorious life in the name of Jesus pray that that you leave here different than you came in. I pray that you leave here maybe with a a better understanding of what it means to live a spirit-filled life. And as you go out, know that the Holy Spirit is going with you as your helper if you ask Him to. Have a great Sunday. Don't forget our life groups. And uh, if you've signed up to to be part of Trunk or Treat, or if you haven't, uh, you can. Uh, they're going to meet right here in the front. They'll give you. They promised it would be a short meeting, just like I promised it would be a short sermon. So take that for what it's worth. 